This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan. And that, of course, means you're listening to another episode of the Crowncast. We have these these NPR vibes. We have these international radio vibes because we now have that international radio coach. We've got him, ladies and gentlemen, Gene Gene Smith. (laughs) You know what? Isn't that just the way to start it out? It's Dean Smith. It's Dean Smith, and I promise you I know that. Uh, And if you're not familiar, Dean Smith's, not Gene Smith's, have a very, very good track record of coaching in North Carolina. There was another coach out there by the name of Dean Smith. And if this one does roughly half as well as that one, we're going to win the league. So here to talk to me about us definitely winning the league is Ewan. Hello, Ewan. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got no choice. He's Gene Smith now. It's going to stick. <laughs> That's what he'll be doing from now on. <laughs> we need to get little crown cast patches that yeah. like we can or something that we can flip over. And when he wins, it's got like a smiley face and it has Dean Smith. And when he loses, it's got like a sad face and it says Gene yeah. Smith. Crowns and cards. We give out a Dean and give out a Gene. Just you can do it that way. Plenty oh of potential. God. A special, a special Dean Gene Smith episode. <laughs> I can't. I, I wasn't ready for this. You, you've got to let me do my pre-planning, you, and I can't. I can't come up with stuff off the cuff like this. Uh, <laughs> good, good talking to you, buddy. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to get into today. We're going to be talking Dean Smith. We're going to be talking how we think of that appointment in general. What we think of the people who were in the finals. We're going to be talk, talking a, a guy named Albert Grombeek. The fact that the trade window is open, we're going to be talking about other players who could potentially come in, what that profile might look like. We're going to be talking about some some interactions with Nashville, and we're going to be doing buy-sell-hold on the forwards. So it's just that very, very, very short list of people and things to talk about. Uh, so Ewan, are you ready to rapid fire some fun stuff? Yep, yep. Always ready. Let's uh, let's go. Like you say, a lot to get through. So uh, yeah, let's do it. The big Dean Smith conversation. Ewan, uh, I'm going to start with this question. If you look at the final four, or say that we're talked about, I think really only two, maybe three, were actually in the running. But if you look at the final people that Charlotte FC brought to the table, I think I have to say Dean Smith was the best of the bunch, and I probably would have said that even before you did some convincing uh, on me in the last one. Would you agree that given the people who were on the table, this was the guy and we should be happy we got him? Yeah, uh, you say you you was the best that you, uh, the four that were eventually put out was the shortlist. I would agree with that, and I think just the general consensus, again, and this was before he was appointed, once people realized who the four main candidates were, I do think there was a real consensus of, yeah, uh, if we're going to go with one of these people, one of these four people, this is the guy. So I, I think that's definitely fair to say. I think you can tell that the club, just promotional-wise, is very happy that they have a, a head coach that you can put Premier League next to. That They seem very happy that that's part of the uh, of the sell uh, the extent to which you talk about his CV in the Premier League is something which you can go into a lot of detail with. But yeah, I think it's fair to say of the four, this is you put up the resumes before you even get into the tactical stuff. You put up the CVs. His is pretty comfortably the most impressive. I think there's like an an overarching narrative around him as well that that just kind of fits. International manager worked with small clubs on tight budgets worked with larger clubs with a little bit more money to go out and play, uh, worked with some big-name players. Uh, he's not an old man. <laughs> he's not a 75-year-old who's coming in at the, the twilight of his career, but he's also not a young man. He's not somebody who who hasn't been around the block a few times and maybe even gotten a few things wrong. This is a guy kind of in the middle, and I've talked at length before about the fact that I think sometimes you just need the right PR behind a manager, in order for them to get a fair shake. Because much like players, if they come in under the wrong circumstances, people can turn on them really quick. Not even the fans, you know, internally, players, coaching staff, et cetera, can turn on a manager really quick. And the general optics behind the signing are really good. Now, is the manager really good? That obviously comes with time. Will he be really good for Charlotte FC? 
but I got to admit, he either him or his uh, his team, I think, did something quite clever. And that's there were some rumors that you you talked about you and that he was potentially going to go to Stoke. Correct? Yeah, the, that came out basically on the day where we found out that there were advanced talks. Um, and that was the day before this got announced officially. Um, obviously, UK time in the morning, really solid reports about Stoke City having interest in him. And then by UK time, sort of afternoon, evening, reports that this deal was basically 99% done. Yeah, I, I think it's clever work by Dean Smith. I think it's clever work by his team. I think he knew that he could go out and potentially get another job and Charlotte FC would have to make a decision. And he had the ability to go out and say, I could go get another job. It's a pretty good one. You know, sign the thing or don't. I like that image because I kind of want somebody who can bully Charlotte, Charlotte FC. I kind, if you look at the best managers, they've kind of been able to come into their teams and bully them a little bit. They've been able to throw their weight around. They've been able to, to have the influence to make effective change. And because of that, and I'm not saying this is what happened. I'm just saying it sure looks like it, right? I can draw a dot from A to B. It looks to me like this is a guy who isn't going to mind playing his hand a little bit to make sure that he can make adjustments in the team to his benefit. Thoughts on that, Ewan? Yeah, it, it certainly speaks well of a character that as much as you want people to be willing to come to you, as, as willing to come to your club as possible, if you had someone who was happy to kind of wait around and say, no, no, you carry on speaking to this person and carry on you know, doing this and you take your time, it does speak to maybe this is someone who doesn't have a lot going for them. And then that makes you wonder why you should be hiring them. But yeah, Dean Smith is someone with real cachet who this isn't just an agent kind of spinning clubs against each other. I've got no doubt that that would have been genuine interest. Like he would have been a real coup at championship level um, for a team. And we've had off um, like off mic conversations about where the standard of MLS is in the general uh, scope of the world. And I, I see it as like the average MLS team would probably be a fairly average League One team, which is uh, the third division of the English pyramid. So the fact that we're getting a manager that would have commanded serious interest in the championship which is the second division in the, in the division that Stoke play in. That speaks to how strong an appointment this is from purely just a CV level uh, of what he's done um, so far in his career. And, and, you, and you, speak to, you speak to it there a little bit. This is someone who has put together a 15-year CV of management and general coaching, which has taken him to the age he is now at 52, where, you know, he's... he's He's really, really experienced, but like not old, like you mentioned. So he's someone who's been around the block, knows what he wants, was able to use that to his advantage here and get this contract done. And it's very process driven. It's very much about culture, very much about finding the right people. So I think people, as they delve more and more into this, before we get to the football, which obviously is the thing that is going to matter the most, it, it goes without saying, I think people will fall for the personality. Uh, of Dean Smith, the more I'm sure the club has content that they're ready to roll out. And, and there's some good stuff out there. There's a 20 minute seminar that he did talking about culture, which is available on YouTube. Standard things like podcasts and interviews he's done, which are about half an hour a piece. If people do the deep dives on that, I think they'll get really, uh, they'll, they'll become infatuated with the man and, and, and really start to believe in him. But ultimately, yeah, the football is going to make the difference and we've got plenty of time to talk about that. But you speak about it. Yeah. The, the man and, and the conviction of him. I think a lot of people are going to be really happy with him. So, so you and here's what it's going to come down to, because I think we all have a list and I think I'm going to steal your words literally from you and then use them as my own. I think we all have a list of fantasy managers in our minds where we were like, this guy is the guy go forth, Charlotte, acquire the guy compared to the fantasy in your mind. How do you rate this guy? My reaction to this initially when it came out that we were talking with him was that I, it, like a tepid thumbs up to the appointment. Um, I think if you're slotting that in a graded scale, you're probably talking like B minus, talking mm -hmm. three out of five, whichever way that fits. I mean, a thumbs up is a thumbs up. I'm happy with this appointment. I mean, once you, once you dangle Lampard in front of me, anything other than would have probably put a smile on my face. But... <laughs> um, I do think this is a this is a good appointment. It's not like exactly my cup of tea in terms of how I 
see the game. I, I think I'd rather have someone with a little bit more of a, a diverse tactical CV and something a bit more in the ways of their style of play. Um, but I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with a team like Charlotte, a club like Charlotte in the moment they're in, bringing in a manager who is culture first and direct player development first, and then maybe everything else can come a little bit later. They're very different in terms of personalities, but he is a way more mould of a Latanzio than he is a Miguel Angel Ramirez. But at the same time, that's a slight lean in that direction. It's not like they fit into, they're not two peas in a pod. I still think this is a good appointment and and a, a real like coup for a club like Charlotte. Yeah, I would agree. You say it's a coup and I think that's, that's a, a good terminology for it. I'm going to go with a four out of five. Uh, I think it fits. I think it's a good appointment. I'm not blown out of the water by it. But I'm excited for it. I think it has real potential. I think that he might get a little benefit of because he's not necessarily everybody's favorite choice. He might get a little bit of leeway. He might not be expected to come in and just instantly kick doors down. Now, obviously, I want him to come in and instantly kick doors down. If he doesn't win his first games by five goals to nil, get him out of here. But I I do think he might be given a little bit of freedom so uh, I think I sit on that sort of four out of five and, and I can live with that. I can live with that. You want to talk players? Yeah. Happy days. Happy days. That's, um, that's ultimately what's going to drive the bus, isn't it? So, uh, Oh yeah. <laughs> it, people may not know this. People might have been uh, football fans for a very long time. And ultimately the people who have to kick the balls, the balls, the people who have to kick the ball are in <laughs> fact the players. So they do matter. Uh, Charlotte FC has already been linked, very broad spectrum, with a, a man named Albert Grombeck, and I'm not pronouncing that correctly. I'm sorry, I try. I used to try so hard. <laughs> you're, not too far, I, you're not too far off, to be fair. I, that's, that's not too bad. I go to bed crying about how many times I've tried to pronounce these players' names and failed. Uh, but you know what? We do what we do. A 22-year-old, exciting player, Danish uh, the number that has been touted around for this player is eight million. This is all fanciful whims. Are we actually going to get this guy? No idea. Is he seriously linked with Charlotte at all? No idea. The fact that he has been linked with Charlotte, I think, tells us a couple of things in conjunction with some other news that we've gotten to come out. Uh, one of which is that if you're not, if you don't know. The trade window is open. Charlotte FC can go out and get players. It opened on the 11th. So December 11th, Charlotte FC can go and say, hey, we want you to wear the badge. Come uh, come kick the football as the players do for us. And it, it means that we are out there looking at people. The timing of a coach coming in probably means that we're about to get serious. I'm glad they brought the coach in when they did. Maybe I would have liked him to have a little bit more time, but I understand they wanted to to give it its due. And finally, we have traded uh, $325,000 in GAM to Nashville. We have traded that money, which, by the way, if you're not familiar with GAM, is totally fake. It's not. It's a very real thing, and it, it affects the way Charlotte does business. But the way it seems to get thrown around on social media makes it seem like monopoly money. <laughs> We have two extra international roster slots now. Considering what we're seeing, being linked with a Danish player, big money move, uh, bringing in a coach who's got a lot of experience overseas, spent some time in England, we have international options. And it looks like we're going to be down the international road. You and all this stuff together, how, what does this talk about to you? I think just a clear direction of where our recruiting is going to go and, and really where it's going to continue to go based off of what we've already seen. It's going to be European focused. I know that's something that has, has kind of irked some people um, that they would rather see it be a, a, a bit closer to home. But I do think that the one thing you can say is that at least it shows that there is, there is like a, a, a solid plan as to what we're doing. There's not a mishmash of things. I think people had a problem with this a couple of seasons ago when uh, when Canetta drove our recruitment this way, but we also had Miguel Angel Ramirez as our head coach who was bringing in a few of his guys from South America and it all it, it seemed like a mishmash of things. It seemed like there were a lot of competing ideologies when it came to player recruitment. 
with this it it definitely you can you can say whether you agree with it or not it's it's streamlined i think is probably the best word whether it works out or not there's there's actual you know, everyone's on the same page with this um like you say don't know how much to read into the uh, the situation with gam because that can be as big a deal or as little as a deal as as you want it to be <laughs> because of how people uh, because of how people treat that and how many times you just see that thrown into transactions every now and then um and the general confusion of what is mls salary cap and and all its restrictions but you can pretty concretely say that getting those two slots is a uh, is an indication of, of where our recruitment's going to be going and uh, albert uh, albert grunbeck is probably the first sign of the type of player we'll be looking at definitely that age range because I, I think there is something about this team where you look at the midfield and think you maybe want to just get a little bit younger there so charlotte fc beat chelsea they have attempted to recruit managers from chelsea and now maybe we're taking the the recruiting style of chelsea where we just go out and we pay a ton of money for 70 super talented 22 year olds if david tepper is willing to do it I, I can't say i'd be upset because i like i like emerging talents in football i think sort of what this screams to me is there's going to be one big signing there's going to be one guy who's big money who's the new and shiny this is the guy who's going to come in and and make the headlines and then there's probably going to be one or two more established veterans whether they're MLS established veterans or whether they're Europe established veterans, perhaps somebody who is known by some of the people already in the team who are going to come in under the Dean Smith culture and help install that Dean Smith team around him. Similar thoughts for you, Ewan? Yeah, no, I think that's fair to say. Um, I think scouting team as a, uh, and we've spoken about some of these players, that there's a, uh, there's a track record there in Europe of we spoke about cleaner and we have certain opinions on him but for most people that's a tick we have uh, Adil Somalanda as well that's uh he, he was a recruited player from uh from from the second division in France I think if you're going to talk about just from the perspective of okay whether I like European recruitment whether I don't are we actually hitting pretty well on some of these uh players that we're bringing over I think generally you probably give it a thumbs up so to continue down that area, they obviously back the scouts that they have in those areas. Um, Eastern European scout is uh, Davor Brasanak, uh, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Um, someone who I wonder who they'll be maybe empowering a little bit more in this if they're going into those areas. So, yeah, I think for the most part, we have quite a uh, quite a forward thinking front office who uh, who are pretty good at what they do in terms of identifying talent. So always just generally excited as a football fan to uh, uh, to see the players that we come up with and yeah, get to studying them and, and talking about them over the next few months. So at this point, we can start to move into some of the players we, we currently have on our roster and one that we now no longer have on our roster. You and you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong here, but Mackenzie Gaines is now no longer a Charlotte FC player. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. He was in the, uh, the, the statement, I think, that came out a few weeks ago of someone that we were happy to move on from. And uh, now that's been solidified with him uh, going to Nashville. Yep. Mackenzie Gaines to Nashville SC. One of the things that I think interests me about this move is Nashville's a good team. Uh, and Nashville is a good team that I think is looking for tools. I think they're looking to add to their toolkit. Charlotte FC is looking to build their team. This is one of the very clear sort of definitions of, of you, you being able to see where a team is in its process. Nashville is a team that's, that's winning they have their core of their team set up, and now they're looking for how do they break down unusual situations. You know how you break down unusual situations? Superpowers. You know who has a superpower or who had a superpower in Charlotte FC? Mackenzie Gaines. He had the speed. Nashville has acquired a tool that they can use really effectively to break down people who want to play really high defensive lines or people who want to leave a wing wide open. I think I'm going to be really interested to see how that plays out for him, whether he becomes somebody who plays a, you know, a fair number of minutes for them or whether he becomes just a rotational option or whether he becomes a real specialist. Hey, we're playing a team that we know is going to sit on half field and we're just going to go over the top every time. Developmentally for him, I do think it's probably good that he gets a move. I don't think he was showing any real signs of nailing down consistent time at Charlotte 
for him, this is probably good. For us, it frees up this spot. Any any extra thoughts about Mackenzie Gaines? No, I think you mentioned it there in terms of them acquiring him and looking for a sort of toolsy player and, and also the fact that they're a fairly a fairly good side and what people should be thinking of, well, if we're letting him go, but a, a team that you would say is maybe in a better position than us is acquiring him, what does that say about this? I think what it says is something that we've actually mentioned quite a fair bit uh, during the season just gone um, in that Mackenzie Gaines, no matter what you think of him, is someone that is very easy to talk yourself into just because of how obvious the traits are. Um, and as long as you have that and you are kind of a, a little bit of a uh, a nice tactical chess piece because with that kind of pace, you can be good out of possession. You can make other teams think about what they're doing in terms of whether they want to bring their fullbacks high up or, or whether they... Uh, happy to commit players so far forward and play with a high line because they have that. We have that pace to get in behind. Um, it's it's someone who, regardless of performance level, I just think you'll probably see if he doesn't nail down a spot in Nashville, him bounce around to another MLS club because they will then again become infatuated with the raw talent and what that can do for your team. And it's always a nice player to have when you have that kind of raw ability. So. I don't think this is something where people should read too much into it and think, oh, how come this team has acquired this player? You know, what were we doing wrong? I just think it's the nature of kind of horses for courses in uh, in MLS. And yeah, I mean, I wish him the best. He was a, uh, yeah, sometimes frustrating player, but I think overall he gave some good moments and uh, you could tell that he's uh, someone who gave it his all while he was here. So yeah, best wishes with him and uh, just feel bad for Josh mainly. Yeah, feel bad for Josh uh, because now he's just going to have to watch McGenzie Gaines run at our fullbacks, which I'll be honest right now, just gone inspire me. I, maybe we should be looking out for Nashville because they're, they've been making moves. On top of all this, you know, we've mentioned that we acquired the two international roster spots. We're not the only ones. Two other teams have acquired international roster spots for GAM from Nashville. Uh, both New York City Football Club and St. Louis City have both uh, traded for international roster spots. So I guess they don't want any international players and they do want some of that gam. Uh, they've got plans. Whatever those plans are, I, I, I really don't know. But I know that to see that much movement that early for all of those slots, they were willing to make a deal. Uh, final thoughts on this before we move ahead to buy some hold? Yeah, yeah. Happy days, man. Happy days. Happy to, happy to crack on. All right, then let's look ahead to buy, sell, hold for the forwards. Uh, we talked about it before, buy, sell, hold in this particular context. We're vaguely talking about whether we would sign these players again, whether we would re-up or give them new contracts. It's kind of in, in a space of not everything is perfect, but you know what? We're here to have a good time. Do you want to start with some of the wide players first, Ewan, or do you want to start sort of in the middle and work our way out? Uh, yeah, go uh, go wide and move in. Obviously, we're making our way sort of from the back through forward. So uh, end with the strikers. End with the strikers. Uh, let's talk about the one that may not matter. Let's talk about Justin Miram. And I, I want to get this into the podcast. As of this moment, Justin Miram is still technically connected to Charlotte FC. His Twitter still says he uh, is a Charlotte FC player. To be fair, he might not have updated that in a very long time. It also says... He is really a world-class backgammon player. Ewan, have you heard any any news of him him dominating the world in backgammon? I mean, backgammon is uh, is is an American thing. I've never played, so I can't speak to it too much. That's the uh, that's the only thing I'll say. Like uh, like I mentioned earlier, not something I could have too many thoughts on. Um, I'll I'll leave that to him. <laughs> I'm an American, and I've played backgammon like once ever. I'm 32 years old. I may have played once. So uh, I think it's safe to say that nobody from this particular show is going to challenge him in that domain. As far as his position here on the field, Ewan, what are you going to say, Justin Miram, buy, sell, hold? Um, I would go with the sell. I would, I would move on from him. I think the main reason why is, is almost contextual with the squad in that there are so many young players, so many young, exciting wingers, that we have that people uh, want to see more of and ultimately players who, if they're going to become something worthwhile for the club, 
are going to need to get minutes. Justin Merrim getting a, even if it's just a one-year extension, it's a, it's a bit of a lane clogger in terms of being able to get minutes for those uh, for those wingers who are at a stage in their careers where they're young, but it's kind of time for them to get minutes. Yeah, I'm I'm sitting in the sell category with you. It's not too hard to describe for me. You say something really clever there, and that's he's an older player occupying space where people need to develop. I think it's one thing to have an older player occupying space in the midfield where he can come in and really be an effective elder statesman leading the team. It's another thing to have an older player coming on and needing to run in behind a back line. Those are two very different challenges. I don't think that unless he's going to move into the interior where we already are kind of stacked, I don't think he needs to keep spending time out there. I don't think it's good for him. I don't necessarily think it's good for us. And even if I will mourn losing his beautiful first touch on the ball, because, oh my gosh, if you've not heard me speak about it, wow. Even if I will mourn that loss from this team, I think there are people I'd rather see there. Let's move on. Let's do Kamal Yuzviak. <laughs> it's tough with him. It's tough with him. I think with this, I'm probably at the stage now where I would be going uh, with a sell. You can tell from my voice that it's not as aggressive a sell as I think other people would have this down as. I think a lot of people this season, as it went on, started to get more and more kind of uh, frustrated with him and just the fact that he hasn't delivered at a level that people expected. I mean, I say I'd put him down as a sell, but now I'm going to sound like I'm making the case as to why we should probably keep him around. I do think his high floor level of performance is something which is underrated because when you're talking about high floor performance for a position that people associate with excitement, like a winger, I think there's always that idea of, uh, I'd be happy with a high floor, you know, be happy with a high floor fullback. They always come in and perform at a decent level. But when it comes to a winger, I want a little bit more. And that that's that's where you're making faces. I feel like I need to let you come in here. <laughs> I, I disagree. I respectfully disagree. I think I'm so one of my he's, he would be a sell for me as well. And one of my I was going to say, I think you agree with the sell, but it was yeah. the point I was making. <laughs> one, of, one of the notes I have on him is it's really hard to tell what you're going to get from him. One day you'll get a game that's a 14 out of 10 and the next day you'll get a game that's a 5 out of 10. And he just seems to go through confidence spurts and everybody goes through confidence spurts. But I think we saw him go like three times in the last season from being the best player on our field to yeah. just, yeah. you know, maybe there's some of that off the ball stuff that I'm not giving him as much value for, but, or maybe it's just the, the level difference from his ceiling to his floor that stops me from giving credit to his floor. But it's just hard to look at that dichotomy of, oh, I just run this whole team and I take over every game and I roast every defender who wants to get anywhere near me to I touched the ball three times and gave it away all three. No, I get, I, I get what you're saying. I think um, to, to tie it in, I think we, we can, we're making, I think we kind of agree a little bit. If I just extend out the point of what I mean by high floor, it's exactly what you talk about. It's, it's out of possession stuff. I think you can be high floor, but also inconsistent, like you mentioned. So. When he's on the pitch, what you know that you're getting is you're getting a, a smart player out of possession who understands where he needs to be in the field, who takes good angles in his pressing. He's just generally good at understanding his assignments. And also, there's an effort level with him which you get consistency from, which should be the bare minimum, but it does fluctuate with players and especially with wingers. That's what I mean by high floor. When you put him on the, on the pitch, you're getting a high floor performance in a particular area which you can bank on. Then when you bring in your point in terms of consistency and you don't know what you're going to get, you're talking about him as a winger, whether he's always going to be confident enough to take his man to the byline, whether you're going to be getting consistent output in terms of goals and assists, which just hasn't really happened for him. That's where I think these two things can merge together in that he is inconsistent, but he is also high floor. With someone like him, and this almost links it a little bit to what we're going to get from Dean Smith, he's going to allow quite a fair bit of freedom to his playmakers even though he'll demand a lot out of possession because he's an intense counter-presser, his wingers are going to need to be like high output if this is going to work. Mm -hmm. He's not really the guy for that. So I think this is almost the first of our buy-sell holds where it's a little bit coaching influence as well now that we know who the head coach is. 
you know what? And this is going to sound really weird, but uh, there's a there's an old movie, The Mask of Zorro, which in my own mind, I don't think of as being that old, but it actually is quite old now. It's like 20 years old or something. In it, Antonio Banderas plays Zorro, the, the great sword swashbuckling hero, and he meets his tutor. He meets the, the man who teaches him how to properly hold a sword. The tutor asks Antonio Banderas' character, do you know how to use that thing, pointing to the sword? And he goes, of course. Pointy end goes into the other men. And I feel like sometimes Kamil just forgets that the pointy end of the sword goes into the other team. Like sometimes he just, he just forgets to do the pointy bit. However good he is with everything else, I think we're going to need somebody who always remembers the pointy end of the sword goes into the other team. Do you want to do, let's do somebody fun. Let's do Vicinius Mello. Hot product last year. Had a lot of spark, had a lot of dynamism, came in, scored some late goals, good with his head. Uh, seems to be a really upbeat guy. Maybe has some issues when it comes to listening to authority. Maybe has some issues with being a little bit too headstrong, not necessarily picking up what the coaches are putting down. We saw him get removed from the team for some things that appeared to be behavioral. It certainly didn't appear to be talent-based. This is a guy who's got everything in his locker, it will be about whether or not he's capable of putting it onto the pitch for Dean Smith. I think he benefits from the fact he gets a second chance here. Still at Charlotte FC, he gets another chance to make a first impression. We, we loved Vicinius Mello. We loved what he brought to the team. We loved the dynamism. We loved the goal threat. We loved it all. So for me, I am a hold on Vicinius Mello. Let's see where he comes out. Ewan, what are you thinking? Yeah, hold when you get someone like this feels like uh, it, where you should be going the talent on one side. And then you've got the reported issues, which obviously I don't know too much about, but it does seem like they are there. You mentioned the incidents of him being away from the team and everything like that. It's uh, it's tough. It's, it, it's tough to make too big a bet on a player with those kind of concerns. But again, to speak to the fact that we now know who our head coach is, one of the big pluses with Dean Smith and people always talk about it, the man management aspect, if it's going to work out for uh, Vinicius Mello, it's going to work out with a manager like this. He's in a he's in a good spot here, in terms of the uh, the guy that we've appointed to be able to uh, to make it happen. But ultimately, you can have all the people in the world around you trying to make it happen for you, but you got to find it from within. That's you know that that seems to be the fall down. So yeah, I think hold is the play here. But I I would almost caveat that as well that I would probably actually lean a sell just because I, I, I there's a I, we've seen a lot of players like this, a lot of instances and. Uh, the smarter bet usually is to uh, is to bet that they probably don't put it all together. But that's me being a bit cynical. Let's okay. uh, let's hope for the best. I'll put a hold down and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Because like you say, we were really excited about him. So uh, hopefully it all works out. We've now done Kamil, we've done Justin, we've done Vinny. Let's go to Brandon Cambridge. I'll make this one really easy. Bye. Bye, 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 Brandon Cambridge. Bye. Uh, thoughts? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in the same ballpark. I feel pretty confident making a bet on him. I like, I just like that style of winger. I think everything. If you were without even, if I'd have never seen him play, and you were describing him to me of the pluses that he has as a winger, that he's he's got that nice sort of crabbing style as a dribbler, where he's able to entice fullbacks, and and he's like really smart and purposeful with his dribbling. He's also he's also got that amb 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 ambipedality the two-footedness of him being we're gonna able to... Give this, we're going to give this a couple of years and then we're going to be able to say ambipedality without... <laughs> like, it might take a few more years, but we're going to be able to do it. It's the uh, it, it's the it's the thing in my head that's monitoring me, uh, the, the, the old-school Englishman saying, just say two-footed. That's what's yeah. stopping me from pronouncing it properly. I mean, I'm fine <laughs> if you just say two-footed. He, he is. He's two-footed. He's, he's, he's got a two-footed game. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's um like I say, that's that's what I like in wingers. I I, I like the purposefulness of his dribbling. And then when you pair that with the two footedness, you get someone who if you're speaking to a fullback before a game and you've got a winger who really likes it on one foot, easiest thing to tell him is show him that way. If you get someone who's all pace and doesn't really have a lot of purpose to the game, you just say just stay off him, let him kind of dribble himself out and tire himself out and 
and and dribble the ball out of play and everything like that. There's ways around it. I almost think of scouting a winger almost of like go through your head. If you were telling a fullback how to deal with him, how tough would it be to actually plan that out? And Cambridge is the style of winger where if he's on his game, it's just very hard to stop him. And he's on his game consistently because he's a smart footballer. I, on the flip side of someone like Vinicius Mello, where it seems like that's usually a bad bet, the issues that he has. Players like Cambridge, who are so purposeful at a young age, who have some of those skills, which you can't teach, feel really confident making a bet on him. And uh, yeah, this is, uh, to take it back to Justin Merrim, these are the players that I would move on from him for because I want to be getting more of these players. I want to be getting a lot of Brandon Cambridge next season, barring any kind of major recruitment that brings in wingers. If we don't do anything major there, I want to be getting a lot of Brandon Cambridge. So yeah, he's a... Uh, I, I usually try and be tepid and, and, and stay on the fence and shock with uh, with you, with young players especially. Um, but I feel pretty confident with Brandon Cambridge that I can put down for a bye. So you talked about how would you how would you tell a defender to play against Brandon Cambridge? And in the MLS, I was sitting there thinking about it as you said it, and I went, you know what I would tell a defender? I would tell them to hold, don't bite. He wants to attack you. He wants a one-on-one. Hold until your your winger gets back to support you. I, like I don't know what else I would tell them against Brandon Cambridge. That he's he's a young man and he already has that level of I'm gonna attack a one on one. I think that's it's a superpower. He's a guy with a superpower. He fits my eye, and we've talked about other players who fit my eye that didn't necessarily succeed. So you know I'm not a perfect reference, but I like that. I like that in a player. Let's go on and we will do Patrick Ajimong. Ewan? Yeah, Ajimong is, um, I referenced this earlier. This is one of them areas where I probably deviate. I would be holding on Ajimong in a situation where I think a lot of people would be buying as enthusiastically as you bought in on Brandon Cambridge. He doesn't really fit the style of striker that I like. I think there's a lot of rawness there and there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of 7 out of 10 there. There's a lot of 10 out of 10 and there's a lot of 2 out of 10. And the striker is a position where I feel like you actually need to knit the side together quite quite nicely. Like you need to be hitting certain things because if you don't, it has an adverse effect and, and it trickles down without, throughout the rest of the team. Like if you can't hold the ball up properly, that means that the wingers can't get involved. It means that midfield can't, you know, you can't really build field position. It's a, it's a, it's a position where I really feel like you have to be or at least I like high floor and Ajiman, I feel like you get peaks and valleys could be a case of him being a young striker, but that's also the flip side of it. He's not like that young. Like it, it, we're at a stage now where we want to be seeing a lot of this stuff already. And um, it's obvious why people like him all that size. And you pair that with some real good technical ability and uh, yeah, it's a lot to get excited about, but he, he hasn't quite done it for me yet. And I'm happy to, I'm happy to be a hold. Yeah, my call on Patrick Ogjimong is also a hold. And my reasoning is because he has a lot of gaps to fill in his game very quickly. Right. If you, if you look at strikers around the world, 22, 23 is where you kind of need them to be hitting their go-go juice button. You need them to be killers at 22, 23. And now maybe you can say you're in the MLS. You don't need quite the same level of athleticism. If you have a striker who hits really the go button at 25, 26, 27, they're still going to have three, four good years in them. You've also seen a number of strikers in the MLS who have just defied time because the MLS is kind of a unique league that some players have the talent to do that. I don't think I have the ability to put Patrick into the category of time-defying talent, and he's got significant holes in his game. He's a hold for me because I think he's a good competition piece and we have talked and you can go back and listen to some other podcasts about the fact that i think there are a few strikers down at the ground legacy level who i would like to see have a head-to-head battle with him and see who comes out on top i would love to see that because i think that sort of internal it's not a fight but that sort of internal competition breeds success throughout the whole team even the people who aren't in that competition see that competition go on and say, my shirt's not safe. I have to keep getting better. So I think I, he's a hold for me. Not that he can't reach great heights. I think he absolutely has great height potential. 
I think he's just going to have to show us that he's about to be making some giant steps forward. Let's push on. And are you ready to get into the big names? You ready to get the ones that are going to cause trouble? <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, leaving the uh, heavy hitters to last, aren't we? Leaving, leaving the heavy hitters. <laughs> I'm killing it today, Ewan. I am on it. Gene Smith, ambipedality, and uh, and there we go. There's the hat trick. We've been up. Yeah, we've been there. It's Christmas, folks. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. <laughs> uh, and if you're not listening to this, if you've decided for some reason to listen to this like two months late, it's Christmas again. Congratulations, you get two Christmases. Let's let's do Carol Swiderski. I don't think anyone is going to doubt Carol is one of the most talented people on this team. Even Carroll's worst day is a 6.57 out of 10. Technically, he's very good work rate. He's insane. He's a, he is a very good footballer who I think occasionally struggles to show that talent when it comes to, to finishing. I think he's uh, one of the players who statistics will tell you that finishing is kind of not real. Over the course of a long enough period of time, everybody finishes about even. I think... Carroll is one of those players who you see get into positions and he doesn't get the shot away. He doesn't he have that one touch that sets him up or it takes too many touches and it just gets frustrating really fast. For me, I don't think there's any doubt about his talent. I also think there's the whole situation with him kind of waving the flag saying, get me out of here, that has to be taken into effect. Whether or not the addition of Dean Smith is going to make a significant change in this, I don't know. How much of that was relationship with Latanzio? As a result, because of the the combination of where does this guy go? Does he really want out of Charlotte FC? Was it just a Latanzio thing? I, I think once you take it all into account, I have to say sell. You in thoughts? Yeah, I get where you're coming from with that. Obviously, we're we're really getting into the the specifics of this in terms of that we are talking about you know, contract renewal stuff with the buy-sell hold. We're, we're not talking about, is this player good? Is this player bad? There's a little bit of projection planning here. And I do think that for as good as Karol Svodersky is, there will be an intriguing side should they get the uh, the fee that they're looking for that makes them think, you know, we get let's say they get about eight, nine million for him. They will be thinking, this was a player who may be a little bit of a luxury at times that was hard to fit into lineups. And we were able to get all this money for him. And now we can build a squad with our new head coach and go from there. There is that enticing aspect of it. I would I would go with a buy for for uh, Carol Svodersky just because you you know with me how much I like him and, and how good a player I think he is. I think if you even get a little bit of a change of mind with him in being able to stay, I would be trying to do that convincing. In terms of the money I think we could get for him, I think he's worth more as a player than that could be as like, three players for that spread value. So a quick question for you, Ewan, because if you were Dean Smith, if you were coming into this job at Charlotte FC and you'd seen all of the comments that Carol made, you have seen him sort of wave the flag and say, get me out of here. You have to sit down at the table. I mean, he has to sit down at the table and make this decision. You have to sit down at the table and either say, this is my guy because that's what he's going to need. If he wants to stay committed at Charlotte FC, Dean Smith is going to have to sit down at a table with Carroll, look him square in the eyeballs and say, you're the guy. No questions asked. You're the number one. You're the first name on the team sheet. You're the guy who takes penalties. You are the guy. If you're in Dean Smith's shoes, do you look at that player and you go, yes, I'm committed. I'm going to build my whole team around him. We're going to put the past behind him. Or do you look at it and say, you know what? He's already kind of made his bed. It might be time to part ways. I want to bring in my own guy. I think that, and obviously this is stuff that they'll have planned out in these interviews. They'll have spoken and and he'll have been made clear how likely he is to stay, how likely he is to leave. I think Dean Smith will look at him stylistically as someone who can fit into the kind of structures that he usually plays tactically. I think that he is a good enough soldier to be able to do some of the intense off-the-ball stuff, some of the counter-pressing. I don't think he's the case as a luxury player whereby he's not going to be doing that. I think he ticks a lot of boxes as a player that Dean Smith would like. Having said that, like I mentioned, you get the attraction of someone coming in, not only having the money that they already have to spend, 
but then getting even more for one player and thinking, right, I can do this with this player, I can do this with that player, already got all these young players. I think that he, as much as I say, I think he would work in a Dean Smith standard system. I think a new head coach would be more excited about the idea of having a like a, an, a decent war chest for MLS standards to go out and recruit with the recruitment team for like immediate impact players than he would looking at the squad as is and thinking, okay, I can do this with it. I can do that with it. Molding these players to try and fit my style versus directly going out and purchasing players. That directly disagrees with what I say that I think Carl Svodersky is worth more than the money could be spread out for recruitment. But I understand why Dean Smith as a new manager would see it another way. Okay, so for time's sake, we have one more and he deserves his due. Uh, it's Enzo Capetti. Big name, came in last year. Kind of impressed, kind of didn't play, kind of didn't impress. Uh, yelled at a lot of referees, dove a lot. Uh, really, really good theatrics. I think his theatrics are top-notch. I don't think you can undersell that. For me, Enzo Capetti might be a sell. And this is going to sound weird, but it's just because I don't really feel like I know who Enzo Capetti is, and he's been here for a year. Enzo Capetti is another big guy. He's another big name, right? And I don't feel like I understand him yet. I get it. He works hard off the ball. He's a good hold-up player. He, uh, he'll, he'll fight for things. He's a decent passer. He's not really an interconnector. He's not a killer in the box when it comes to heading the ball. He's not amazing offset pieces. What he kind of is is a gritty, up-top player, kind of traditional number nine in my brain, that will go to ground and try and buy fouls and make space for your team and not that that's not a valuable asset but is it the guy is it is it one of the guys you want to 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 pin your name to and after a year i kind of felt like i would have a stronger opinion on him and the fact that i kind of feel floaty about him at all when he was supposed to be one of the big names and yes part of that's not his fault because of injury Although part of that is Charlotte FC's fault because they, they went out and they got a player who was an injury risk. He was injured before he came to us and re-injured later. And part of that's on Charlotte FC, but ultimately it all sort of comes out into the wash where if we're going to make a new world where we have, we have new talismans in the team, do I want this guy to be the talisman? I'm not sure I do. Ewan? Uh, two, kind of twofold. I am... Um... With injuries taken off the board, I am a fairly comfortable buy. But injuries are never off the board. <laughs> this is uh, this is uh, it's real life. This is uh, it's uh, an intense sport with a grueling schedule. Um, so I'm I almost have to push it into like a hold that is ready to just bump itself into a buy, just based off that injury record because it's a hamstring. I just it, it scares the life out of you when you talk about hamstrings and the reoccurrence of them. Just talking from a player perspective, I, I kind of think he's a perfect striker for what Dean Smith is going to want to do if he continues what he's already done. I also think he's a perfect striker in terms of what I like. I like strikers who who positionally are very good, and I think he is positionally very good. I think, like I mentioned with the issues I have with Patrick Ajiman, I think he does actually hit those high-floor keynotes, 7 out of 10s, in terms of performing roles which help other players do their roles better. And, and one thing I'll say on him as well, because I think I'm you know, we've spoken before and I'm fairly comfortable in, in my position of, of liking him a lot as a player. It's just the injuries that concern me. It's going to be opinion to opinion, his personality and the on-field stuff, the antics wise, as to whether that is something you really care about or something that doesn't bother you so much. With me, I, I you know, pr I prefer not to have it, but it doesn't bump my opinion of it majorly either way. So I, I just almost feel like it's worth addressing because I think there's people out there who saw the way he kind of acted on the field and were like, I'm out. Because <laughs> people just really don't like that. So it's almost worth addressing a little bit, uh, but it didn't affect me so much, I suppose. I want to shoot you one more question because I, I enjoy discussing this stuff with you and you may have convinced me to bump him into a hold because I'm wishy-washy. 
<laughs> if you sat down with Enzo Capetti right now and you said, Enzo, I think you're a hell of a player. I think you have talent. I think you have the ability to fit into the team. I think you're a great hold-up striker. I think you connect well. I'm not confident you're going to be around. You have a, a significant injury history. I'm not confident you're going to be with this team for the whole season or 90% of the season or 70% of the season. So if you're going to stay here, you're going to be the second guy. You're going to be the guy who is either the second attacker in the lineup, isn't the main guy, or you're going to be the guy who is rotated in. Do you think that considering what is facing him, where he is in his career, Enzo Capetti would look back and go, you know what? I'll do that, boss. I'll be the best second guy in the world. Because if, if he was willing to do that, if he was willing to not be the guy, right? If he was willing to be a team player, not the guy, why I'm a hold, maybe even a buy on Enzo, because I, I don't think you can doubt, you know, you talked about how well he connects. I don't think you can doubt that. I'm just concerned that he's not going to be willing to take anything other than I'm the main man. Yeah. I think if you have that conversation with Enzo Capetti, then five minutes later, he's having a conversation with his agent. Because um, I think that that would be a fair departure um, from what he was probably told a year ago um, when we uh, when we went out and signed him. Uh, and to be honest, if he went and called his agent after that, after being told something different a year ago, fair enough. Fair enough. It's his career and you only get one of them. And especially when you start bringing in injuries, you want to be uh, making the most of your uh, uh, of your playing career. Yeah, I think that's a conversation that would uh, would be a tough one for him to swallow. And um, it's probably, like we mentioned with Swiderski, probably less likely to happen if it seems like the inevitable happens and he leaves. But again, it's just, it's you worry about the injury stuff. He, he, could, he could be fine. He could be fine. But the reoccurrence of a hamstring is always a cause for a little bit of concern. Absolute buy on the player. I, I think I'd probably like him more than most. On that note, we try and keep the crown cast to about 45 minutes around here, make it a little bit shorter for you guys, easier to digest. And as usual, uh, we've gone to an hour. So we're going to start to wrap it up uh, because we never, we never make it short. We can't do that. We're not going to do that to you, dear listeners. Uh, so first and foremost, as ever, if you've decided to spend your time with us, we love you. Thank you so much. We appreciate that even in the off season, you come out, you listen to us, you hang out with us. And uh, thank you to you, Ewan. Yeah, thank you. Always a pleasure. That's it. We're going to wrap it up. That's been the end of the buy, sell, hold section. We're going to be doing some holiday stuff coming up. We got uh, some deep dives into Dean Smith and some other new interesting news that will be coming out. Uh, I'm also excited to announce a couple of the people who have uh, joined a little bit more full time on the Crowncast. You've probably heard the voice of Jerson. Uh, Jerson has come along. He has helped us from time to time. He's done some field reporting for us. He's come on now in a, a larger role to the crown cast. So we would like to welcome him as one of the official cast members. And we'd also like to welcome Michael. Uh, he's currently a college student up in the mountains and has really dedicated a lot of his life to football. And it's been a pleasure to have him on and talk with him as well. So he's going to be doing some more stuff in the background to help bring the best shows possible to you guys. So if you see them, if you're on social media, you know, say thank you to Jerson and Michael, and we're so happy to have them. As official cast members of the Crown Cast, welcome to the team, guys. That's it. We will wrap it up there and we will talk to you next Wednesday. Goodbye. Queen City Podcast Network.com.